to the Terminal City FC podcast, talking Whitecaps, Canada, Europe, and all the big stories across the world of football. Hello everyone, welcome to episode, I believe, 36 of the Terminal City FC podcast. Not sure what episode it is anymore, so... Um, we've done a few. Yeah, we've done a lot. So Nathan Durek, alongside me, Joshua Ray, we're coming off a 4 nothing Vancouver Whitecaps loss at Lumen Field in Seattle. A very disappointing effort from the Whitecaps. Yeah, I mean, if I mean, we've seen some uh, some stinkers before for the Whitecaps, but in terms of this season alone, it's probably their worst performance. And what makes it even worse is that this is a team in the Western Conference, so those points matter even more. And it's a team uh, that's in the Cascadia rivalry, right? So this is a team that we should be showing up for because there's that Cascadia Cup, there's breaking rights, there are geographical rival. I mean. You name it, this game is important in the schedule. Yeah, and I know Lumen Field is a very tough place to play, but even just getting a draw would have been huge for the Whitecaps, especially it's it's against Seattle, biggest rivals. And there was some miscommunication with Florian Youngworth and Ranko Visalinovic early on, which eventually led to a early penalty, which Cody Cropper tripped up. Former white cap, Freddie Montero, had to be him. Of course. Of course, Seattle scores. And this even there were like 10, 15 minutes near the end of the first half where the white caps did well with the possession, making some good passes. But other than that, it was all Seattle. It was. I mean, that, that penalty happened about the third or the fourth minute. So right from the very beginning of the game, uh, you know, the white caps are facing an uphill battle. And yes, Lumen Field is arguably the most difficult match any team in MLS is going to have to face within their calendar year. I get that. But it's an international break right now. So, I mean, the Whitecaps kind of got lucky in the fact of the way this game ended up getting, uh, first off, postponed and then rescheduled. Their, Seattle was missing about five or six players due to international duty. They're also a little bit depleted in terms of injuries. They have a few guys yep. coming back, but, you know, they're kind of where the Whitecaps were in May, where players are healthy enough for a few minutes, but not the entire game. This was the time that you wanted to face Seattle. So if you can't show up and at least make a fight, you are never going to win in Seattle at any other time. It's just, it was a pretty dismal display. And yes, they did have a, a couple of moments where they strung together some good pa- passes. That that uh, working through the ball, uh, that you were talking about, Josh, during the last 10 minutes or so, it did lead to a pretty decent chance by Caicedo. But, yeah, it's just, it's not near enough. And you know what? I think the players take it on themselves. Ryan Gold was talking after the game about how, you know, they just didn't show up for this game. Like, there was no intensity. It was, it almost seemed like at times where they were running at half pace, the Whitecaps ended up getting a bunch of yellow cards because they were coming late to tackles or fouls because they were just that half step behind things. It uh, honestly, when you were looking at the two sides playing, it looked like one side was doing a training session and the other team forgot their shoes. Like it just, 
it was not a good game to watch. No, not at all. And zero shots on target. Like Stefan Fry didn't even make a save in that game. He, the White Cats had number same number of shots as we did on Stefan Fry. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of people in the American side that were actually uh, kind of uh, uh, upset that Stephen Fry wasn't called up to the American team just with how well, excuse me, how well his form has been as of late. And you know what? He could have gone. They could have just put a pylon in there. Yeah, they they could have uh, they could have put a a chair in net, for example, and yeah. like I probably wouldn't have gotten a shot on net. I don't know, something like that, and. The White Cats' best players were not their best players. Like, Gold was trying, yes, but it wasn't enough. Brian White looked like he couldn't handle the ball. Like, his first touch wasn't the best. He was struggling to control it. Like, I want to see more from both of them in general. Caicedo had some shots, but they went well wide. And Florian Youngworth as the number six, it worked the last two games, but it did not work in Seattle. It all. did not work in Seattle at all. You know what? I, I like Youngworth in that number six role at times, but unfortunately, he's, he when you're the number six, you have to be able to play laterally. You have to cover side to side of the pitch in front of the back three. He doesn't have the legs for it. He just nope. doesn't have the speed in order to do it. He has the intelligence. I get that. But the problem is the intelligence just isn't enough. He's still showing up a little bit late which leads to either missed tackles, you know, bad 1v1s. It just, yeah, it's uh, unfortunately, um, it's just not working out for him. And the thing is, is I think it was recognized on the bench because we actually got to see Andreas Kubas uh, get his uh, debut with the Whitecaps. It was nice to see. Unfortunately, his very first play uh, did lead to a turnover that almost led to another goal. But he did recover. He did recover. He uh you know what? That's a, it's a tough game to get your debut your debut in. You already know which way the scoreline is going. You're you're basically just there to get minutes on the pitch and get experience with you know your new team. And I think that's all he can really take away from this. Yeah, he started off kind of poorly, gave the ball away, and also had got a yellow card. And really can't say much. The, the White Cats were pretty much down and out at that point, and he just got. He just joined the team like four days prior yeah. to the game and only had two training sessions. So you can kind of cut some, him some slack there. And one of those training sessions was without the rest of the team because they were still on a break. Yep, that's, that is true. And it was just not a good performance from the Whitecaps at all. And... Like Nicholas Ladero got the penalty. Raul Ruiz Diaz got the brace against Seattle. Uh, for, for Seattle, it seems like those two always score against the White Caps. Diaz has scored in almost every single game that he's played against the White Caps. I think he now has nine goals in seven games against the White Caps. He's got the second most number of goals against the White Caps of any player currently in MLS. And that was before the game. With his brace, he might be number one now. I'm not too sure. But yeah, Rui Diaz, when he plays the Whitecaps, he's pretty much at least guaranteed for one, unfortunately. That's right. And the Whitecaps have not beaten the Seattle Sounders since April of 2017. Yeah, that could be world back then. Yeah, it's, uh, you know what? I, 
it pains me to talk about this game because I don't really know what the lessons are that can be learned that we haven't really talked about before. It, it, the basic lesson is you got to show up. You got to play for 90 minutes. Yes, there's going to be lulls, but when the other team is moving, you got, you got to keep up with them. Otherwise you're just dead in the water. And I think that's what we saw in this game. This game is one to forget I genuinely don't know what you can learn from it. I, I guess what you learn from it is show up and yeah. put some effort, even though if you're down, like we've seen this team um, come back when they're down early this season and last season, and they need to show that again and not be so sleepy as Sartini has put it time and time again, just again, a very unacceptable effort from, the Vancouver Whitecaps feel bad for the traveling fans who made it down to Seattle. There Maybe. was a bit of a contingent that, that, that was there, you know, uh, caps on the road, but yep. uh, yeah, they're going to be coming back probably a little bit quiet across that board. Yeah. At least the, uh, I haven't been down to Lumen field. I haven't been to Seattle in a long time, but at least the food might've been good. Yeah. Totally. Um, Lumen field is a great, venue i've been it's there before a for a venue. seattle friendly when they were playing uh tottenham uh, a few years back it's it's a fantastic facility you know what seattle has some of the biggest attendances not only in major league soccer but in football around the world i mean they've they've sold that building up before and it's what 55 56 000 people so i mean it tells you you know seattle's a soccer city they do well they get behind their team and they arguably have been the best team over the past decade. Yeah, and even with a depleted squad, they showed how good they are. Yeah, um, I mean, that's they're, they're the example. I, I hate to say this about a rival, but they are the example for other MLS teams to follow. They build a team. Yes, they have brilliant individuals, but they're all part of a team, and they have the depth to back it up. And Yeah, we definitely saw that on display. Yeah, and... Not only that, but one of the guys that was playing for Seattle was a 16-year-old kid, and he did well. He did. And, oh, Kyle Alexandre also got some minutes in the game, got a yellow card. And uh, it was good to see him, let's just play football again. You know, he's working his way up to being able to, to actually start a game, you know, get, say, 60 minutes in instead of 30 I think when we get to that point, we're going to see a lot more mobility within the midfield. Um, and it's, it's a long time coming there. The, the thing is, is there is depth in that midfield. Now you do have players that were almost considered locks to start at the beginning of the season that are no, now going to find themselves further down uh, the packing order towards uh, the, the fringe uh, of the team. And it means that they're going to have to fight for their positions. And that's a good thing. Um, yeah, I, I hope Kyle Alexander starts getting uh, a start here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, I think the team will benefit from it. Yeah, he's got a lot to prove since uh, he's dealt with so much injuries over the past like year and a half. Yeah. And still has potential. And he's young. I think we yeah. forget just how young he is because he seems like he's been here forever, even though he's barely played any games. Yeah. He's got he's got he's a like lot of time to to get to where he where he believes he can be and where we would like him to be. Yeah, a lot of people say plays 
like a seasoned veteran. So the Whitecaps have FC Dallas next. We saw them not too long ago at BZ Place. Whitecaps got a late winner. This time it will be in Dallas. And FC Dallas in our still second in the MLS Western Conference, just four points behind LAFC. And their last game, they, I believe, FC Dallas, they just looking here, they won 3 1 in Orlando against Orlando City SC. Yeah, I mean, Dallas. I mean, they're they've proven it. They they're a good team. They're they're doing well in the western western standings. It took a, one of those last gasp winners, something the Whitecaps have kind of become uh, infamous for this season, to uh, to seal the deal. Going to Texas, not easy. Uh, we've done it before already against Houston earlier this season, and uh, yeah, it was uh, you know not not the best uh, showing again for the Whitecaps. I mean, it was a decent showing. Uh, on the road, but that was still back when the Whitecaps weren't getting any road wins, you know, something that they desperately will need at least a few. Um, Dallas is an opportunity. It's an opportunity. opportunity. We know how to beat them. We just got to be able to repeat those performances. On their ground. And they're going to come out motivated from last time because they for sure aren't happy with the way they lost against the Whitecaps in Vancouver. And, don't know a whole lot about their squad, because but last time they had their backup goalie in net, I believe. They did. They actually were very depleted. They had, I think, at least three or four yeah, on protocol, a few other injured. I mean, they were they were sitting kind of where we were in terms of injuries back then. Yeah, that's what I thought. And I believe they had the MLS or he, he has to be up there, like the MLS leading goal scorer on their squad, just looking Looking it up here. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, uh, Fiera, he's tied. Fiera, nine, he's tied right with Ibobisi of San yeah, Jose. Both had nine goals in the season. Yeah, they uh, luckily the Whitecaps kept him off the score sheet at BC Place, and it was Paul Ariola who got the goal and did a celebration that really pissed off the Southsiders. Yeah, Ariola got himself in trouble with international duty as well. He got uh, CONCACAF with a, a nice red card, so... Uh, he'll be coming back a little bit angry as well. Yeah, and I expect a very motivated FC Dallas to, you know, to get another win and try to catch LAFC for top of the Western Conference. And the Whitecaps, they basically cannot have another game like they did in Seattle. They got to look at this as a bounce back game. I mean, regardless of what the outcome is, they just need a better performance to get that confidence back. Even if you lose, but the performance is good, take it. It's a road win or, or it's a road game. Take it. it. Just get back to the level of where you believe you should be and then work from there. Unfortunately, they're going to have to rebuild a little bit. Yeah. And they got it's back to the drawing board before, before the Seattle game. And they really got a, Sartini even said, not just the players, the coaching staff, they really got to hit reset and try to get some points in Dallas. Here's hoping. And, and the fixtures are coming fast because next Wednesday is another big game, the Canadian Championship semifinal at BC Place against York United. Yeah, cool. York United is the last CPL team left in uh, the entire uh, tournament right now. So this is one that the Whitecaps should feel that they can win. Um, and the interesting thing is this will also put the, the Whitecaps 
uh, up against uh, a goalkeeper that they had on their roster for all of four days when they were having a uh, goalkeeper wars. Yep. Streets. Remember, uh, I can't pronounce his name. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a uh, quite a long uh, uh, Greek it's a Greek name. There. Yeah. Uh, and you know what? York hasn't been doing all that well in uh, the CPL. They haven't won in the last five. They're seven out of eight teams right now in the CPL. They're they're a bit of a damaged team. So, you know, it's a bit of a time to capitalize on that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Their goalie is Nico Giantsopoulos. Something like that. that. Something like that. Greek names are very hard to pronounce. So, York, yeah, they haven't won since uh, May 24th in the Canadian Championship quarterfinal, which was the penalty shootout winning over Pacific, but they haven't won in the CPL since May 6th against Forge. Wow, that's a long time. Yeah, but of course the Whitecats can't let their guard down against the CPL team because no. we all know what, what has happened in the past. No, I, I think that they've kind of exercised those CPL demons with the last couple of games, but they can't let up. And they've talked about the importance of this tournament. This tournament is the most likely one that they could win in this season. Um, they should take it seriously, and I think they do. Yeah, all they do. They proved it the last two games, and I want to see them prove it again against York, and hopefully that gets them to the final, because if they do... They're hosting it. You got it. So moving on from, I mean, this is still Whitecaps related. After the York game, they have New England Revolution come to town and they released a new Unity kit for that match. Yeah, uh, you can actually take a look at it on uh, their site. It's also available to purchase already. Um, have you taken a look at it, Josh? Yeah, it, pretty, it looks pretty nice. You know what? It's... I like the pattern, but I find the one thing for me is a lot of these new kits that are coming out for specific causes. They just seem very busy to me. They just, it's yeah. almost like it, it's tough for me to figure out what I'm supposed to focus on because the entire shirt is covered. Yeah, that's right. it, it's, it's, it's almost just too much for my eyes. I don't know what I'm supposed to be looking at. Yeah, I, get it. I mean, it's, it's a nice piece of art, but it doesn't scream soccer kit to me. Yeah. It, and I, I think that might be the point. I mean, the point is I think that's the point. To be it's soccer to is, it's, it's a message. So I get that. But uh, yeah, if I was opposition, I think I would be a little bit uh, fuzzy in my eyes there trying to figure out what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. It's, this is a warm up kit. This is like a hockey warm up jersey. And it's a specific theme night, Unity. You know, it's Pride Month and all that. And it's good to have representation. And it's a nice kit. And from the online reaction, a lot of people like it too. A lot of people do. A lot of people do. That's very true. But uh, yeah, if you're looking for it, uh, check it out. It's uh, available uh, to purchase right now. Yeah, on the Whitecaps uh, uh, store in Gastown, if you like in-person shopping, and on their website for uh, about $79. Yeah. So we also got a brand new MLS TV deal to talk about. This was yep. probably the biggest news of MLS in quite a while. Yeah. So MLS has agreed with a 10-year deal, which is $250 million per year with Apple TV. Apple TV. I mean, it's 
it's moving away from, I guess, traditional cable TV, uh, bypassing, uh, you know, specialty channels and moving straight to streaming, which is an interesting choice for an established league. Yeah, but I have an issue with this. In here, here it is. A lot of the MLS is a lot of casual fans, white caps included. Yep. And would a casual fan be willing to purchase Apple TV just to catch a Whitecaps game that they're bandwagoning on? Not a chance. I don't think so. No. And this will drive away a lot of casual fans for MLS because I don't know how much Apple TV costs. I don't have it. But it's not worth investing some money on just to watch one game a year. If you're a casual fan, for example. Yeah. I mean, the one thing is, is there are a few other things from this deal. Uh, they're going to be adding uh, pre-game and halftime shows. There's going to be a soccer commentary show that'll happen after the games. They are increasing the uh, resolution of all the games to uh, 1080, uh, where some of the games right now are actually done in 720. It's, and it, it's the money deal. Like uh, yeah. the amount of money that this deal has Versus the previous deal that existed in the States uh, when it came to MLS games, excuse me, is quite significant. And this means that, I think they said on average, it means that each team will get just over 8 million per year based off this deal, which is a sizable amount of money, especially when you look at the way the salary cap is right now. Uh, There's a lot of hope that this deal will actually maybe remove the salary cap, but it is... I mean, they're taking a risk. They're taking a risk that people are going to follow their product to a streaming service rather than just hope that people already have this streaming service. And I don't know. I I don't know. You know, okay, yes, it's going to pay off because they're getting the money already. I don't know if it's going to pay off in terms of fans following them in the way they hope that fans will follow them. Yeah, that's exactly it. And some people might already have. You might. I've got Apple TV. I use it for other things. So I'm for Lasso. It's already there. It's fine. But for other people that don't have it, like like you said for yourself, I don't know. Yeah, but some people maybe they thought, oh, a lot of people watch Ted Lasso on Apple TV. Maybe we'll put our MLS games there. That'll help grow the game. Well, not everyone has Apple TV again. Again, and some people like my my folks are still on traditional cable because. They're old. Yeah. And, you know, like I'm kind of in that weird middle ground where I've got like this weird mix of both. <laughs> so it's, and you know, it, it doesn't hurt me, but it is going to hurt others. I, yeah, I don't know what this is going to do in terms of driving up their, their numbers in terms of uh, TV viewership. It, I just, I don't see that actually working i'd see the only positive of this is an economic one and that's it so they follow the money which yeah. i mean it's a business i get it Again, so you yeah. know there you go and of course there are always buggy streams online that are quote-unquote illegal <laughs> that you can watch i watch a well, lot of my soccer on that let me put it this way apple, apple can be buggy itself <laughs> yeah and uh, i don't know like if you're a diehard MLS fan, this is for you. Like, if you're one of those Southsiders, for example, I guess this is for you if you want to watch away games. But if you're, like, the average fan, like, yeah, I only watch MLS when the Whitecaps are doing well, I don't see that kind of person 
purchasing Apple TV just to watch one or two white get game. Yeah. Now the thing is, is there will be some select matches available on cable TV. We don't know what matches and we don't know if that, that cable TV deal is only in the States. We still have no idea what that means for TSN here, Uh, whether or not they're going to get the, the odd, you know, TFC impact or or not impact CF Montreal or white. Um, Yeah, it's, but I mean, there will be some available. The, the other thing is, is uh, they are, or Apple will be showing games in English, Spanish, and French. So that is a, a bit of a positive for, you know, for fans from uh, different backgrounds. Yeah, like, I've read somewhere that the MLS on TSN ratings aren't the best. But it's just easy to access for a lot of people. And... The other thing is, is when you look at MLS on TSN, I mean... The problem is, is a lot of sport leagues have have these options now. So you look at the traditional sports channels when it comes to hockey or when it comes to all the other sports that we normally see, they're leaving and going to these other things, just like MLS is now going. So you got to wonder if you're TSN, what else do you got to show? Like World, what else TSN show? The CFL, the World Juniors, the odd NBA games, NFL games. Yeah, but the CFL, like that, there's the season is short. You've got, you know, different specialty things that happen throughout a calendar year where you have international competitions in various sports. Yes, those usually make it to traditional broadcasters, but it, it does make me wonder if the existing sports channels that we have available in Canada have to start looking at what do they want to do to make their models, um, you know, more acceptable to the various sports and leagues around the world. And soccer in Canada has been moving to streaming services. Premier League next year is going to be on football TV, Champions League, Europa League, the zone. One soccer is yep. a streaming service, though. Tell us users like myself have it on cable. Not sure what else. So. But uh, yeah, anyway, big deal. 2.5 million or 2.5 billion over. Uh, 10 years. Yeah, Billy. See what they do with it. Let's see what they do. So Canada's men's national team, after the controversy, they got on their way on the pitch, didn't manage to see these games. Could play Curacao at BC Place. Alfonso Davies came back to Vancouver for the first time since leaving the White Cats. He scored twice. Uh, Steven Vittoria also scored. And the hometown boy, Lucas Cavallini, even got on the score sheet. Good for him. Yeah, you know what? It was a it was a good game uh, for the Canadian uh, men's team to come back to, especially after the controversy that happened the weekend before. Cancelled Panama game, uh, cancelled Iranian game, boycott of training, almost boycott uh, after the Panama game for uh, the Nations League tournament. Um, they're still without a deal. Apparently, they're still talking, but yeah, uh, I guess it's nice that at least both sides are actually. Uh, talking with each other face-to-face because that hasn't happened in quite a while. But the game itself, I, I mean, it, it was it was pretty straightforward for Canada. I mean, Curacao was without uh, a number of their players. Uh, unfortunately, they had a few players that were unable to travel to Canada because at that time, the travel ban uh, that, was, uh, that was federally in Canada for anyone who was unvaccinated was still in effect. And there are certain uh, Curacao players who were not vaccinated. So unfortunately, they were not able to come for that match. But, uh, 
you know what? Curacao is a good team uh, in CONCACAF. They beat Honduras. They And that was away, I believe. I think they still have uh, to play uh, Honduras at home. It might be the other way around. But, um, I mean, they're a team that definitely could could make some noise in this group. Yeah, and also there were some protesters who went on the pitch. Well done, BC Play Security. There's a video of the security not even trying to stop them to tie themselves to the goalpost to pr- protest climate change and old-growth logging or something. Yeah, you know what? I mean, there are two worthwhile causes, but I... I don't get it. I don't get it. Uh, if you want me to not care about your cause, this is the way to go about it. I hate to say it. I mean, yeah, I do I because of other reasons, but you are detracting from those reasons. You're not promoting them. Let me put it that way. I don't get how tying yourself to a goalpost during a soccer game will raise awareness. It's adults behaving as infants. That's it. It's adults behaving as infants. And yeah, you can and uh, same these tree huggers like. Not even at soccer games. Like, like I, I get you want to protest and all that, but do it in a place where it doesn't disrupt people's commutes home and to work. Like, people shut down streets <laughs> and all that. Like, go protest in a park or something. Not in the middle of a street. Not on train tracks to disrupt people's commutes. Because people have places to be. Unfortunately, disruption is the, uh, the primary goal of these protests. Disruption, yeah, but- whether it's on traffic or disruption, whether it's in a football match. So I don't think we're going to see less of it. I think we'll probably see more. And I think this is a lesson for BC Place that if this happens, you got to step up. Because you got to remember, there was uh, someone that ran on the pitch uh, back uh, in the international game uh, in Edmonton. And that guy was tackled. Right? Right. And also, not too long ago for a Whitecaps game, a shirtless streaker went on and... Again, nothing. He didn't do do jack. And it was the players who forced him off. Yeah. So... Yeah, uh, you know what? First game though in uh, in the Nations League, uh, four nothing win. It gives them po- give them uh, points on the group stage, but unfortunately, it wasn't the same story in Honduras. In fact, it was anything but a football match that we saw there. The pitch looked like a water park. Like, well, yeah. like that was a terrible pitch, and the referee. I didn't see this game, but the referee, like, oh boy, there's a lot to talk about. You know what? I hate complaining about referees. I, I find that referees have one of the more difficult jobs in any sport because they're always the bad guy. I mean, you never you never really go into a game saying, well, that referee did great. You Either you don't think about the referee or you think about them poorly. But I don't know how you can get past this game without talking about the referee. The, the fouls that were non-existent, the fact that he shoved Borean who at the time was the captain of Canada and is allowed to talk to the referee. I mean, it, I, this game was all about the referee. Um, you can blame the pitch uh, if all you want. Unfortunately, these conditions exist in CONCACAF. And if we invite Mexico to come play at minus whatever in Edmonton, we have to expect that when we go to the southern part of the of the confederation that we're going to play in these conditions as well. That's just the way it is. Yep. We uh, Canada didn't adapt. Nope. Canada was playing visibly frustrated, especially Tejan Buchanan. He looked like he genuinely didn't want to be out there. He was punching the air. He was kicking water during uh, plays uh, when there was stoppage. He 
he was visibly angry and it just was not a good look for Canada. It was, uh, yeah. And then again, we had more pitch invaders. We had three separate occasions where players ran onto the pitch, multiple players or multiple people at any given time. And when they were done, just running around having fun, they would just run back into the stands. Again, there was nothing being done about it. So uh, as much as we complain about, I guess, BC play security, I guess uh, same goes in Honduras. Yeah. And uh, that's Peacock calf. Yeah. It's, it, this was, uh, and, and unfortunately, it also, it, it gives uh, Honduras, I think, their first win in 20 matches. So, oh, you know, wow. yeah, they take bragging rights. They, they'll, they'll take it. They'll take it all day. And right now in the, the group, Honduras sits on top with six points, Curacao and Canada both with three. Honduras has also played one more game than the other two. So there is uh, still a chance to move up, but uh, this means you have to host Honduras in Canada and win that game. You have to go to Curacao and win that game. There's nothing yep. else that will, uh, that, that'll do. Yep. And also content warning here. Some sexual assault. So the sentencing for former Whitecaps and Canadian coach Bob Berarda takes place on September 2nd. The Crown wants two years in prison, three years probation, and a bunch of other conditions. Yeah, uh, the sentencing was just agreed to a couple of days ago for what day it was going to take place on uh, after an agreement by uh, both were representatives on both sides. Um, yeah, so unfortunately, this is a story that has just been going on for years, and now it's going to be going on for another three months. Um, yep. He's already pled guilty. We know it's coming, what the sentence is going to be lo- looking like. Um yeah, we'll see. Two years uh, prison, three years probation seems light to me. It, yeah, it seems light but to me. I'm wondering if that's just all that the Crown thinks that they can get in the first place. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. It will take place in North Vancouver uh, when that does happen. Yeah, and we'll be following along with uh, this story. We just can't be ignored, obviously, because Barada was a big part of the Canadian women's program. Three charges of sexual assault, one charge of sexual touching against four women from 1989-2008. All those women were teenagers at the time. Yeah, very disturbing. And he um, should get uh, the punishment he deserves. And, and hopefully the victims can find some peace once this is over. But uh, like you said, it's, it's light for two years in prison with three years probation especially because it's multiple yeah it's multiple multiple accounts right it's right yeah um but uh you know what i'm not a lawyer i don't know what the average conditions for this sort of thing are yeah and we're not not doesn't seem uh doesn't seem to match what i what my expectations were For me, again, we're not lawyers. We're not law experts. I was expecting five to ten years at least. Yeah, but yeah. Again, like law people can probably explain this better because uh, I didn't go to law school. I'm too dumb for law school. So, <laughs> again, I just hope um, the victims find peace and get the justice they deserve. And this this really horrific acts like. Barada faces hope Barada faces the big consequences. 
for his actions. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, on to big news. On to other big news. Uh, again, a bit let, let, be, uh, better news. Let's put better, it that way. more happier. Is uh, the host cities for the 2026 Men's World Cup are set to be announced today, today at uh, two o'clock Pacific. Like, depending on when you're listening, this has probably been already announced. And according to Irfan Gafar of the fourth period and Dan Riccio of Sportsnet 650, two very reliable reporters, I wouldn't question their reporting. Vancouver is rumored to be one of the host cities and they're rumored to host six out of the ten matches of, uh, to be held in Canada, while Toronto hosts only four. And Edmonton would be left out of the running. Um, I'm not surprised with the choices of Vancouver and Toronto. I'm not. I would have liked to have seen all three teams or all three uh, cities. I knew that was never going to happen. I am surprised with the projected split. Yeah. I mean, I get it for Vancouver. Like Vancouver has hosted world-class events like the Olympics and the Women's World Cup, including the final. Like, sure, yeah, say what you want about the pitch and all that, but BC Place, when it's full, it's a great place to be at. The thing is, is the pitch is uh, a non-starter. The pitch is going to be changed. Yeah, it's going to be for, changed for the World Cup. It's, it's already, they've already said it will go to grass. And that, for me, is one of the main reasons why I don't think Edmonton got picked. Edmonton did seem like a lock when Vancouver uh, hadn't committed yet. But just before Jason Kenney, the former uh, Alberta Premier. Now former he, Premier. Yeah, when he left, he threatened to pull the $110 million funding uh, that was provincially uh, secured for the bid. And he also threatened that they would not uh, meet other FIFA conditions, namely putting in a grass pitch at Commonwealth Stadium. Yes, he's not in power. And yes, you know, they're still trying to figure out who the leader is going to be in, uh, in Alberta. But any time there is a threat made to FIFA, they respond viciously and quickly. So Edmonton being out of the running is not a surprise to me. What's surprising to me is how other people are surprised. Yeah, and what's really funny is Toronto people like crying about this, like they're only hosting four games. Like, oh, Vancouver, what does Vancouver deserve to get six games? We're not an international city. Toronto's more world-class. We have an outdoor stadium. Like I've seen I a lot of that yesterday. The, uh, the international arguments. They're both international cities. I mean, yeah, and they, they, they are. I think they they're both cities that have a lot to offer. You know what? I for me, it would have just been make it five and five, call it a day. I'm happy that we have six here, but yeah, the argument between the two cities, it just I don't know. Again, just it just is childish to me. Yeah, and people aren't doing their research. Like Vancouver. Can't host world-class events. Uh, the 2010 Winter Olympics, the Women's World Cup, Expo 86. What, is, what did yeah. Toronto host? The Pan Am Games? That's all I can think of. I think they uh, hosted the uh, IIH. Or didn't they host the, the International Track and Field? Something like that. But they don't compare to the Women's World Cup in the Olympics. No, no, not a chance. I mean, it, it is still a big competition. But, yeah. I, I, again, I know. I think... Both cities should be happy that they're getting picked. Yeah, because this is a world-class event. This is the World Cup. This is actually bigger than the Olympics. Yeah, yeah. But uh, my guess is that you're going to see also another two picked in Mexico out of the three choices that are there. 
and I think up to 10 in the United States. So want to make some predictions? Yeah, like, let's do it. Got a few hours to prepare. So I'm going with the obvious ones, like New York area, although New Jersey for MetLife Stadium. And yep. obviously Seattle. Seattle, Seattle, definitely. Yeah. Um, I am also going to say that you're going to get, I'm going to say uh, Houston. Houston. I uh, also say the Bay Area. Yeah, let's go with that. I'm also, this one might be a bit of a dark horse pick, but I'm going to pick Denver as well. Denver mainly just for geographical representation because, you know, the, the Rocky Mountains don't really get a whole lot. And you're also not getting a whole lot in the West. I'm going to pick Denver. Yeah. Definitely Denver. Dallas too. Arlington. Yeah, I can see Dallas. Although you might only get one of Dallas and Houston. Yeah. And also, we got Atlanta because it's that stadium there. It's beautiful. And it can host soccer. It has. Yeah, it can. Uh, the Atlanta Stadium, we should also remember, is I, I believe one that was built with hydraulics as well. So that yeah. it can go from the two different grass pitches for NFL and also for uh, for soccer. Uh, I do think you'll also get one of either Orlando or Miami. Yeah, I don't think you'll get both, but I think you'll get one. Uh, I'm guessing right now it'll probably be Orlando. It would be my pick. I'd also go I may, like Miami as well. Um, you've got to go with Washington, D.C., Baltimore, that area. Yeah. But though FedEx Field is kind of a dump. I do wonder about uh, Boston and Philly. I mean, both of those stadiums. Philly, I would say yes. I, I Both of them Boston. are deserving, but I don't know if you get both. I just don't know. I don't know. I don't know about Boston because, I mean, Gillette Stadium's a nice stadium, but it's more of an American football field. It doesn't it have is, at all. But it, it's the amount of people it fits. It's like, yeah. honestly, one of the ones I'm surprised that's not on here is Minneapolis. Because you got to think, when Minneapolis hosted that one friendly, who was it? Between Chelsea, Real Madrid and someone else. They had, Chelsea played there. Yeah, they had what? It was like 100. It was over 100,000 uh, people watching the yeah, game. That's, uh, so I am surprised about that. In Mexico, I'm going with Mexico City and Monterey. I'm going to Mexico City and Guadalajara. Yeah? Yeah, I just have a... I, I, it's just a... Just a, a hunch feeling. I could be wrong in a few hours, Fair but enough. I'll go with Mexico City and Guadalajara. Fair What's enough. Fun? Anyway, and, it is set to be announced here, uh, uh, being our time at just after 11 o'clock. It should be announced in three hours. Yeah, you had Denver as a hot take. Mine would be Cincinnati. Oh, that is a hot take. Yeah, okay. It would be interesting to see uh, which one of those two gets back. Yeah, and I can't wait. And, and uh, this will be... Um, just um, like the whole cities, like we're not going to announce which cities are going to host which games. But for Vancouver, I would assume they get, they'd obviously get group stage matches and maybe one or two knockout stages. Yeah, uh, it's going to be interesting to see where the respective teams are, are basically given as their camps. I do wonder just... I do wonder with just FIFA and vindictiveness if they put one of the games uh, of Iran in Vancouver. I just, I would not put it past them. Yeah, I wouldn't either. So it should be fun. And Vancouver is definitely, well, going to host the World Cup, at least host six World Cup games in 2026. And I can't, I can't wait already. Yeah, absolutely.
So Canadian Women's News, Jordan Heidema looks to be moving to OL Reign from PSG, and that'll put her in Seattle and closer for us Canadians to watch her. OL Reign is making moves. There has been a bunch of uh, interesting moves that they've made. I mean, again, it's Seattle, so you expect them to be a good team. But uh, the, I think the interesting thing is you've got two of Canada's top strikers now in the Pacific Northwest of the United States because you also got Christine Sinclair playing out of Portland. Yeah, and she's a good player. Quayma, I, I love watching her. I, I, she doesn't get near enough time in PSG. Yeah. So I think that this is a move that benefits her as well because I think she'll get more minutes on the pitch. Uh, it, it, I mean, the thing is, is she's still young. She's still growing her career. She's got a lot of playing time left and she needs, she needs to be playing, right? She needs to be playing to develop her game. And I think, I think this is a good move for her. I think, I think it'll be fun. I think it'll be fun to, not only for, for her, but also for the NWSL. Yeah. And for Canadian women's soccer fans and look could even just travel down to Seattle and see, see her in action. It's easy to do. It's easy to do. And again, you know what, Seattle, it's a, it's a fun city to go check out. Go watch a soccer match while you're at it. Yeah. So we'll head into break and go over to Europe. Coming up next. Sounds good. Want to start your own podcast about sports or whatever? Great. Unsure how to get started? No problem. That's what Buzzsprout is for. Podcast uses Buzzsprout. It's quick and easy. And myself and thousands of other podcasters around the world use Buzzsprout. You'll get an awesome looking website, plus your show will be out on Spotify, Apple, Google, Amazon, and all other platforms. You'll also get ways to promote the show, detailed analytics and stats, and a whole lot more. But that's not all. If you signed up with a paid plan for Buzzsprout, you'll get a $20 Amazon gift card, and it would also help support this show. It's easy. Just follow the link in the show notes. Buzzsprout makes podcasting fun and easy and start your own today do you want to win some cash do you love sports betting then bet 99 is the place for you it is a canadian online betting website and app that allows you to bet on football matches or matches of any other sport it also has an online casino bet 99 is the official betting sponsor for the terminal city fc podcast and the area 51 sports network go to the area 51 website Click betting and sign up for a welcome offer of a 100% match up to your initial deposit of $600, as well as boosted odds for the teams that you care about the most. Bet99.com is Canada's premier place for sports betting and online casino games. Must be 19 plus to play, and please play responsibly. All right, so transfer season underway. The window's open. Not a lot for Chelsea, although... The big one, and yes, I have to talk about him again. Romelu Lukaku talks of Inter alone to Inter, back to Inter actually, or moving forward, just get this guy out of the club. It's best for both parties. And please just let him go back there because I don't want any more toxicity at Chelsea. Don't want his bipolarness around. If like just let the guy go and even just on the loan so let's and we'll move forward here and big transfer target news Jules Koundé apparently injured his hamstring at the Nations League for France and will have minor surgery 
Could be a blow to Chelsea because Barcelona are also interested. But it's luckily he'll only be out three or four weeks. And you could say, oh, he's injured. Chelsea won't sign him now. But keep in mind, Ben Chilwell was also injured to when they signed him, when Chelsea signed him a few years ago. And he came back and, well, pretty good. He did pretty good. And according to ABC Sevilla V Sports Witness, not sure how reliable this source is, but I assume since it is close to the to the club, since it's close to the club, Kunde has already agreed to a five-year deal, which includes a salary which that is two to three times more than what Barcelona can offer. And Sevilla is waiting for Chelsea to match their fifty-two million pound to fifty-six million pound value. I mean, things can change. Oh, and by the way, it's a pelvis injury, not a hamstring injury. Ouch. I missed with that. It's just uh, uh, you know, that's that's hard to that's painful, and hopefully, the surgery does well for him. Though another source called Mundo Deportivo, Spanish source says it's he is preferred to go to Barcelona. While others say he want he should, wants to go to Newcastle, but according to Simon Phillips and Simon Collings, Chelsea are remaining confident in signing Kunde, and apparently Kunde still wants Chelsea. Eh, hopefully they just. Get it done because it's like any day now, any day now, nothing. You guys have been after Kunde for a long time, so. Yeah, and then there's Chelsea's also interested in Matthias Delic from Juventus. And a player I've always liked, and he's still growing as a player. According to Simon Phillips, long way off, he had talks are ongoing. That's a good sign. He'll probably go for a hefty fee uh, and Delict is only what 22 years old so there's still a lot of potential with him and one of the best highly regarded young def- young defenders in the world of football uh, he's got physical attributes leadership categories him and Kunde that'd be a good center back duo they're both young, both have potential, and they're both growing. Gabriel Jesus has been given an offer, apparently, from for Ch- from Chelsea, uh, but nothing said so there. To go from Lukaku to Jesus, sure, Jesus has uh, consistency issues at times, but he knows how to finish. And Arsenal are also linked to him, to him even Tottenham more too. But the, uh, I, the links with uh, Jesus right now, it looks like uh, Arsenal might be out of the running. It looks like the player doesn't favor Arsenal. But with Spurs, with Chelsea, they look to be neck and neck when, it's, uh, when it comes to Jesus right now. Yeah, but I'm just looking here. Sky reporting that Arsenal are still in talks, but... I think they're still in talks, but the player doesn't want Arsenal. But if, I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't want Arsenal. Like, yeah. If he wants to... Like, Arsenal are not in the Champions League. He... Might as well go to Chelsea or Spurs if he wants to play Champions League football. Yeah. So Marcus Alonso, it's been reported he wants to leave. Good riddance. 
Barcelona are interested, might as well get rid of him for whatever they can. I mean, I don't know why they haven't played him a striker, and he should have been a striker or an attacking midfielder instead of a defender because he can't defend. Like, I mean, the chaos was fun the last few years, and Antonio Conte made him look like Roberto Carlos in his first season. But uh, it's best to move on because he's not capable of defending for Chelsea. But Chelsea have made a move. It's a minor move. They have signed an 18-year-old goalkeeper from Southampton named Eddie Beach. And people are saying, oh, why, why, why is Chelsea just signing goalie prospects? Well, Edward Mendy's 30. And Kepa Riza Balaga could be on his way out. And I don't think Cobham has a lot of good goaltending options that I know of. But it's good to have options for goalkeepers in the future. Got to have depth for the youth teams, the reserves, and all that. But that does won't stop them because they're looking at another 18-year-old goalkeeper from MLS named uh, Gabriel... Gabriel Gabriel Salonina from the Chicago Fire. And both goalies have potential. Again, 18 years old. And I'm, I'm all for it. You got to have depth in the youth side. Might as well. And Chelsea fans on Twitter are restless because they want transfers now because Tottenham signing players, Arsenal signing players, Almost every team signing players. But Chelsea are just signing 18-year-old goalie prospects, which is good, but there needs to be more. But keep in mind, the window just opened, like, what, a week ago? And there's still lots of time? But I get why fans are restless, because Chelsea have been linked to so many players, and there's nothing but talks over the past, like, few days. And people are like, sign some players now under... Every Chelsea tweet. Welcome to what uh, Tottenham uh, fans have been feeling like for the past 20 years. Yeah. And yeah, Chelsea fans are restless. But again, this is not FIFA career mode or FIFA or football manager. Like these things take time and it's not easy to negotiate these deals. And Bowley is backing Tuchel and Tuchel is giving, being given full control among transfers. So just be patient. I get why you're restless, but I'm sure the signings will happen. Like things can change any minute. If one here we go could pretty much confirm anything. Like Dembele has been reported to be seen in London. And he's been reported that he wants to join Chelsea because of Tuchel. And he did well under Tuchel in his one year at Dortmund. So it's only a matter of time. And Hopefully we get to see another we get to see some Chelsea transfers by the time we do this next podcast. So Tottenham has made a big signing. Yves Bissoma from Brighton. Yeah. yeah, the medical just happened uh just a few hours ago. Uh it looks like it's a deal that's gonna be around 29 million euros plus uh performance-based add-ons, five-year deal. But I mean, when you talk about depth in the midfield that Tottenham's been looking at for quite a while. This is it. This is a player that they've been looking at for quite a while. Uh, he almost came to uh, Tottenham back during January, but it just didn't work out. The player has wanted to come to Tottenham for a while, 
So this is a move that works. Now it's a move that works on the pitch. There's still questions around Basuma when it comes to off the pitch. And again, a little bit of a warning for people, this does involve a charge of sexual harassment. Uh, last year, uh, him and another man, uh, I think uh, another 40-year-old man, were both charged with sexual, or, sorry, were both brought in on suspicion of sexual harassment um, back when he was still with Brighton. Now, he has never been charged. Uh, his bail, uh, or he was actually released only a day later. The other individual was held on, I think, for a few more days. It's very difficult to get information of this kind out of England just because of the way their libel laws work. Uh, a lot of these things can't be reported in media. So unfortunately, there's not a lot of information. But even though he's never been charged, from what I can tell, he's still considered an individual of suspicion. So the fact that this still seems to be hanging over the player's head does leave a lot of questions over the ethics of the deal. Uh, but uh, there must have been at least some sort of assurances, or you at least hope that there were some assurances into the, the legal matters around the player that uh, players or uh, the front office in Tottenham felt uh, confident enough in signing him. Uh, anyway, he does bring a lot. He uh, is a player that will definitely help uh, in the midfield. He did very well for Brighton. Brighton, who finished ninth last year, uh, the highest ever finishing for their club. And he was a big part of that. So there is that. Uh, Tottenham is still in talks with uh, Richarlson out of Everton. Uh, it's looking like that might be a $60 million deal. Now, I'm kind of wondering about this deal right now, because again, we're looking at someone that plays in the midfield. And Tottenham is starting to really stack up that midfield. We've got, uh, I mean, Hjoiberg is still there. You've got uh, homegrown players um, like, uh, uh, you know, Harry Winks, although he might be on his way out. You've got, uh, uh, was it uh, Oliver? Uh, oh my gosh, I'm drawing a blank on the name. But uh, other players within the midfield that would have to make way if someone like Richarlison is going to come in. Now, one player that has left, uh, this is a player that it's been speculated for a long time that he was going to be leaving, was Cameron Carter-Vickers. He had a really good uh, loan window with uh, Celtic. Uh, it does look like he's gone. He has signed, uh, it looks like a transfer of about 10 million pounds, which I got to be honest, is pretty decent money for the, for the player. It's not something that I would have expected for him, especially for a player that He's one of those guys that's constantly out on loan. So, you know what? All the best to uh, Carter Vickers uh, with uh, Celtic. There is still interest in uh, Alessandro Bastoni out of uh, Inter Milan. Uh, it looks like the Inter Milan was ag agreed to the deal. Tottenham agreed to the deal. But the player just doesn't look like he wants to go yet. He does enjoy playing for Conte. But I don't know if he is ready to leave Italy. So... While they're still trying to work on that, Tottenham is looking at other players. Apparently, there is an offer out for Pau Torres. Uh, again, another defender that they've been looking at for uh, about a year now. Uh, they might be looking at that. They're also looking at the player that Inter Milan was going to bring in to replace Bastoni. And that's Gleason Bremer out of Torino. So rather than kind of just go for the, the guy, you know, go for the, go for the guy that was wanted behind the guy. Uh, Bremer, uh, again, is a, a very good choice. He would also come at a significant price reduction 
from Bastoni. If we remember, Bastoni was going to be around the 50, 55 million euro mark. Uh, Gleason Bremer might not even break 30. So you're looking at a, a top player, a young player, and one that, uh, you know what, will uh, allow you to bring in other players because he's not going to cost near as much. Um, you're, it's kind of interesting. You were talking about goalkeepers there with Chelsea, Josh. Uh, the, uh, the Spurs have done the same thing. They've actually signed uh, an Irish under-19 youth, Josh Keeley. Uh, he plays for, for, uh, for the Ireland, Ireland uh, under-19 national team. He comes from St. Patrick's Athletic in the Irish League. But he is one guy that they're looking at for the future who will be playing within the youth setup. Uh, it is uh, important for uh, Tottenham because, again, you're wondering why are we signing youth goalkeepers? Tottenham actually just released five goalkeepers from their system. Uh, they had on loan Pierluigi uh, Gallini, who had been their backup last year, who has gone back to Italy. Uh, Spell, unfortunately, just did not work out for him. And also released four other goalkeepers within their youth setup. So to bring him in does help fill that hole a little bit and is something that was needed. Uh, basically, it looks like what Conte is still looking for now that you know they've made all these signings, which is really really strange for uh, for Tottenham. They're still looking for a forward. They're still looking for a right wing back, and they're still looking for a left footed center back. Now, the left footed center back, we're still looking at that whole Bastoni, Pau Torres, Gleason, Bremer deal. When it comes to the right back, they're going really hard right now on Jed Spence. Um, he plays for Middlesbrough. He was on loan, I believe, with Nottingham Forest, which helped uh, getting them uh, promoted uh, last season uh, to the Premier League. Um, and they're really, really going. Now, this is a player who says that he does prefer Tottenham. He wants to play in the Champions League. He is really happy that Tottenham is going after him. It does look like a deal is heading for around a £20 million transfer fee. And this would solve the right wing back problem that Conte has right now. Um, it does mean that a lot more players will be leaving. Uh, rumor is that Giovanni Lacelso, who did play on loan with uh, Villarreal, has interest from uh, Diego Simeone uh, and could be heading to Atletico Madrid. It's just a matter of figuring out the money behind that deal. There is also, looks like, interest in Lucas Mora from Juventus. That is a deal that could be worth about uh, 20 million uh, euros as well which wouldn't be too bad for a player who's had a number of years with a Tottenham and does seem to be a bit more of a, a substitution option these days. Um, yeah, it does look like all the pieces are kind of falling into place. Yes, they are interested in, uh, in uh, Asus, just like uh, Spur or just like Chelsea are, but there is also talk that they will be tabling a former or a formal offer for um martinez in uh at inter milan so sorry yeah no they're going to be looking at uh at that now that's a player that they've been looking at for a long time as well um it's a good player that will bring depth to sit behind harry kane the one thing that is a bit of a strike against him is that in syria he is the striker who missed the most of his uh, expected chances. So yes, he scores a lot of goals, but he also misses a lot too. So you got to kind of take that with the grain of salt. But I mean, the thing with Tottenham is now, this is now three first team signings, one signing for the future, and we're only a week into the transfer window. So again, this kind of 
unbelievable off season for the Spurs continues. And yeah, it's, it's been a fun ride so far. And we're looking forward to seeing what else is going to happen. It looks like Jed Spence could be done very, very soon. Richarlson, I don't know what's going to happen with that, but there, there's a lot of irons in the fire and Tottenham is really, really pursuing. And I think this had a lot of it has to go, not only to Conte, but a lot of this has to go to Paratici, who I don't think takes a day off in his life because what he is doing in transforming this team and giving uh, Antonio Conte the players that he actually wants rather than the backups to who he actually wants has been working really, really well. Uh, it's the pairing that worked off in Juventus and made Juventus to what they are. And hopefully they can do the same at Tottenham. Juventus has so much good value for for Tottenham and really helps their midfield and got good value on Cameron Carter Vickers on that transfer, like 10 million good value. And the Premier League. Yeah. I mean, for all the players that Tottenham has brought in, they haven't spent a lot of money. I mean, yeah. two were on a free one was on uh, yeah. The, the 29 million euros they've sold uh, Vickers. They're looking to sell a whole bunch more. I mean, this could be a, a window where they have a huge war chest but they're not having to dip into it a whole lot right now, which is nice. Yeah. And Premier League schedule announced Premier today. Schedule, yeah. So Chelsea, they start their season at Goodison Park of all places, a place that Chelsea can never win at. So Chelsea are at 0-0-1 to start the season. Yeah, it's also uh, going to be uh, you get to uh, meet Frank Lampard again at the very early part of the season too. So you get that. Reunion. So congrats to Everton on the win. Yeah, <laughs> already, huh? Yeah, because Chelsea can never win at Goodison Park. I don't know what it is. Well, like, it's going to be a tough one for Spurs. On the other hand, they actually get their first home start since uh, 2019. They will be uh, inviting uh, Southampton. Now, Southampton again, it's a. Uh, 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 a decent side team, but being at home, it's one that Spurs should expect to win. And it would be nice, uh, a nice way to start the season as well. Yeah. And Chelsea's home opener is none other than against Tottenham. In match day two too, right? Yeah. So we got an early London Derby. Yeah. Well, just so you remember match day two for Spurs last season was Man City away and Tottenham won. So, you know, I'm just saying, I'm just putting that out there. Yeah, and also I should also say that Tottenham has only won once at Stamford Bridge in the last 20-odd years or whatever. Time to change that. Well, we'll see how the transfer window goes. Yeah. Now, the other thing that's interesting when it comes to uh, this schedule is going to be the kind of month-long break when it comes to the World Cup. So there's going to be no games after the weekend of November 12th to 13th until December 26th because of the World Cup. But what that also means is that teams in England will be playing seven to eight days after the final of the World Cup. So if we actually have any players that do make it to that final stage, there's no break. They get right back into it. So for Chelsea, the last game before the World Cup break is November 12th in Newcastle. But they're right back at it on Boxing Day at Stanford Bridge against Bournemouth. Yeah, I mean, there's I mean, uh, nothing easy about it. Yeah, look, they got Bournemouth on the 26th, Nottingham Forest on New Year's Eve, and then on the second, Man City. Wow, ouch. I don't know about Tottenham. 
Like, I'm pretty sure it'll be similar. I don't know who Tottenham plays uh, just before the break. I do know that when they come back, they will be facing Frankfurt. So, I mean, that does get, allow them to kind of ease into it. So hopefully that uh, helps a little bit. For Chelsea, their, their final match of the season will be at home against Newcastle. And um, a team that, again, Nottingham Forest is a team that I look forward to playing, mainly due to Richie Larea. Hopefully, get some playing time. Because playing time, I mean, but uh, not just not against Chelsea. Well, I mean, there is a chance because if he's coming with the Nottingham Forest, the fact that Jed Spence is not uh, going to be with that team because he was out on loan, it does yeah. give Larea more more of an opportunity on that right side. Yeah, and I just hope Chelsea keep him off the score sheet. Yeah. So in other news, we also got to talk about stuff going on in Spain. Gerard Piquet has been told he is no longer required at Barcelona due to his unprofessional conduct. I guess that's what happens when you sleep with uh, someone else's mom. Yeah, and I still can't believe he cheated on Shakira. Who cheats on Shakira? Uh, like, uh, like, Gerard Piquet. Yeah, but just don't cheat on if, if you marry a woman, just don't cheat on her. Like, if you want to the divorce then i guess go for it yeah but cheating is just the wrong way to do it yeah i I don't understand and the thing is is pk i mean he's been with barcelona for years i mean he is a mainstay on that back line so i mean unfortunately this the fact of the way he's leading kind of tarnishes that legacy yeah yeah in and other uh, La Liga news, we also have La Liga president Avier Tebas and Real Madrid president uh, Florentino Perez. You can't shut We're the still hell talking about Kylian Mbappe. Hey, it's 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 it was his choice to stay at PSG, and you offered him the month. You were offered him a offer, and he rejected you. So yeah. deal with it. I mean, they offered him more money than what PSG uh, is paying him. They're, they now want investigations into PSG, and they're also throwing Man City into the mix. But uh, it's, it's the fact that these two, uh, they basically say they're doing it to, to save European football. I, again, these are also the two people that still believe that the uh, European Super League is still a thing. So yeah. I just, I don't know, I don't know what's going through the minds of these two individuals, but uh, apparently it's nothing to do with soccer and it's all to do about ego. Yeah, that just goes to show the about money and the ego and and Mbappe chose PSG, folks. And who, by the way, is getting getting like a WWE deal or something? I, I read somewhere. Oh really? Uh, I, I have no idea. Like some kind of sports entertainment deal. Interesting. Which is the other thing that's kind of interesting when it comes to football is that we're looking at some possible rule changes. Yeah. Yeah, uh, the International the Football Association Board, it's the governing body uh, that's kind of underneath FIFA that uh, kind of manages the rules of football around the world, has officially approved the five substitution rule that had been uh, basically adopted by most of the leagues around the world anyway, and also up to 15 players on benches. 15 Can you players? imagine that? 15 players. Five subs- I like, always like the five substitution rule. Yep, me too. Concussion protocols were rejected, apparently, but will extend trials for the of the rule for another year. Yeah, basically, they said that they don't believe they have enough evidence to officially make it a rule yet. They want more uh, evidence about how the rule is happening and whether or not other changes when it comes to trying to mitigate concussions in the game will help solve that rather than adding a new substitution. Uh, one of the ones that they are going to be trialing, which is kind of interesting, is the introduction of kick-ins rather than throw-ins. 
It's going to be trialed in the Dutch second division. And the, the thinking behind it is to try and speed up the uh, getting the ball back into play where you have players that kind of take a whole bunch of time on whether or not they're going to throw in, where they're going to throw in from and all this stuff. They're basically going to trial kick-ins instead. So the ball just goes on the line, kick in, and you have five seconds to do it. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what that does. But yeah, that's second division. We'll give that a try. That's interesting. Kick-ins? I mean, I will see. I don't have any issues with throw-ins, but... I like throw-ins, especially when you get the long throw-ins into the box. You got to remember that did help the Whitecaps uh, yeah, a couple of games ago with the goal. So, um, yeah. Uh, basically, the, the thinking behind this is that with youth fans coming into the sport, apparently don't have the attention span to wait around for a throw-in. So kick-ins will solve the problem. Hmm. Maybe yeah, they, there you go. Maybe a team can score from a kick-in. You never know. Who knows? Maybe. The other one that is really interesting, and I think this is one that could really, really change the game, is what they call a fairer calculation of playing time by introducing a stop clock instead of running time hmm. in the premier league current data shows that that the ball is only actually in play for 55 minutes and three seconds and about a couple of seasons ago while they were actually uh you know calculating all this information they did find that in one premier league match the ball was only in play for less than 45 minutes which meant that in an entire half the ball wasn't in play like they were just standing around doing nothing the belief is that by introducing a stop clock, you will get rid of the whole need for stoppage time at the end of the game, where the stoppage time that you're given has never been a, an accurate reflection of the stoppage time that has happened within a game. And that um, it'll also remove uh, all the time-wasting uh, antics that players do. Yeah, we'll stop time-wasting, which is a good thing. So what's So time will just stop when the ball comes out of play? Or when the ball's out of play or there's a whistle, yeah, they would stop clock. Think of it like hockey or you know, any other sport, right? Huh. And that would be I gotta be honest, I'd like this rule. I'm I would want to see it piloted because I don't know what it would do, and I don't know how players would behave with it, but I'm kind of excited to see what it would do. I think it would be funny almost. They'd stop the uh the stoppage time rule and all that. Yeah. And yeah, I, I, I actually want to try this out because it would, again, stop the players wasting time. And I, again, like it would help make the game go a little faster at times. Yeah, I think so too. But uh, yeah, again, uh, these are pretty significant changes. Uh, it's nice to see the five substitution rule approved. I think that is one that will definitely help, especially with the pace of the game and the amount of physical asking of players, right? I mean, it's just uh, the one thing I don't want is to see yet another player drop down because of a, a cardiac uh, condition, right? We've seen that too many times in soccer. Yeah. And it, it should happen no times by allowing more players to be subbed. I think that's a good thing. Uh, other thing when it comes to Canada players, Kyle Lahren is being rumored about going to Olympiacos on a free. Apparently he has deleted all the Besiktas um, information mm. off uh, his social media accounts. So that is actually leading a lot of people believing that he's heading to uh, Galatasaray, another mm. uh, team in, in the Tur Turkish uh, Super League. 
but Olympiakos is uh, not one to be out of it either. So it'll be interesting. Looks like Laren is moving. There had also been interest from him from a couple of the lower level Premier League teams. So there, he is a, a Canadian player that does look to be on the move. Yeah, interesting to see where he goes. And uh, it looks like he should move on to bigger things like Olympiacos. I think they're one of the top sides in Greece. They are. I'd like to see him in the Premier League. You know, more Canadians. Yeah. Uh, in the Premier League, I, I just hope that where he goes, that he continues to get game, uh, game yeah, time. Yeah, gets game time. Right? So that's the main thing. But uh, yeah, uh, I think it's uh, whatever the move is, it would be a good move. Even Galatasaray, we're talking about one of the top clubs in Turkey and a team that uh, continually plays in the Champions League. So Besiktas too, but uh, I mean Galatasaray, when you look at the Turkey, at the Turkish uh, soccer leagues, that's that's the team plan. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. So some nations league talk. England yeah. lost four nothing to Hungary in Wolverhampton, and England fans they want Gareth Southgate out. You know what? It was a horrible loss. It was a bad loss. Wanting Gareth Southgate out because of one game is stupid. Mm, it's well, they've been wanting it, him out since the nations league. But the thing is, is he's actually done quite well with England. Yet you have yeah. English fans that believe they should be winning every single game and every single tournament. That's not England. They're yeah. a top 10 team in the world, but they ain't the best. They're not even close to the best. Yes, yeah, Hungary, you should be winning it against. Yes, you should be winning against them at home. But this was an experimental tactical formation. He used a whole bunch of other players and he got it wrong. That's going to happen, especially when you are using a match specifically for experimenting. Now yeah. he knows. So he took off Kyle Osaka for Harry Maguire. Yeah. And I don't think England will sack Gareth Southgate four months before the World Cup. I don't see it happening at all. Who are you going to bring in? Who are you going to bring in? Uh, who's available? Yeah. I don't know. And yeah, he's made questionable lineup decisions and his tactics can be boring, but. Hey, if England win their next game, the England fans are going to be like, oh, Gareth Southgate's the best. Let's knight him. Like, that's what uh, happened at the Euros. Like, they I, drew Neil Villa Scotland. It was all like, hey, Scotland out, um, Southgate out, mate. And then, oh, we should we should knight Gareth Southgate and all that. I think Gareth Southgate has been one of the best ambassadors for the English game. I think yeah. he's been a decent coach. I think he has done well with the team. But and I know England wants to do much. I think England has a problem with getting goals, and that's yeah. really weird to say when you have a guy on your team who has the second most goals ever for your country. Harry Kane, yeah, Harry Kane, right? And he was pretty much invisible against Hungary. Yeah, he was. He did score in the game before that, but it was a penalty. But uh, yeah, unfortunately, that's what happens when you don't have anyone giving you the ball. So also, the reigning World Cup champions, France, has struggled in. The Nations League, they've they've lost to Denmark, lost to Croatia, drew to Croatia, and drew to Austria. So is the World Cup curse coming early for them? I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, don't expect this from France. Yeah, like, so Deschamps has made some questionable lineup decisions. Like, Benjamin Pavard has been playing so much, even though he hasn't done well. Uh Tochiniemi, I don't know. I really don't know how to pronounce his name. Um, he's Real Madrid's new signing, like for big money, and he hasn't looked good for France. 
Mateo Gundosi has been playing out of positions. And uh, maybe maybe Deshaun doesn't just care about doesn't care about the Nations League and is just playing whatever lineup. Or maybe the World Cup curse is they're letting the World Cup curse come to them in the Nations League instead of the World Cup. I don't know. But this is France. They should be doing better. Yeah, they should. I hopefully that they're uh, they're doing this like other teams uh, in uh, in the Nations League and the in UEFA, where they're just kind of using it as a testing ground right now. For, yeah, that's what uh, I the World Cup. But yeah, uh, France uh, got to pick it up. Otherwise, you might actually see you get relegated to uh, Nations League B, which would be kind of funny. Or remember that ever since France won the World Cup in 1998, the World Cup winners has been out in the group stage ever. Like in every World Cup since then. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, uh, and they also went out early in the Euros last summer. So, France has got to get it together if they want to break that curse. Yeah. But uh, yeah, they got some time to do it. We'll see what happens with their next break. But uh, yeah, they're, they're kind of like Canada where they got in their, uh, in their group, uh, they have to win all the games. Yeah. But standards are higher for France. Like, they well, want, standards are absolute for France. They want to repeat. And I mean, yes, games like Croatia, that's a tough game. Croatia's a, a top side too, but they're an aging side as well. Yeah. So that'll wrap up this week's episode. A lot of lots to talk about around the world of soccer because it's big. Yeah. Massive. And follow me on Twitter at Joshery91. Nathan is at Enduric. Podcast is at Terminal City FC. Check out the Facebook and Twitter, uh, Instagram pages. Just search up Terminal City FC. Give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and tell us what you think. Like constructive criticism is always welcome. Your feedback is always welcome. So um, again, we'll be back next week for more soccer talk. Nathan, any final thoughts? I was just taking a look about Rich Arlson and how that deal is going. Apparently Everton has got some financial situations going. So Tottenham might just be biding their time knowing that the deal will come down because they, Everton desperately needs the money. They might end up with a player uh, for uh, less than uh, what his ticket price is right now. Yeah. And let's just hope Chelsea actually signs someone over the next few days. Like someone significant, no disrespect to the 18 year old goalkeepers. And so, let's hope that the Whitecaps bounce back. Yes. And just in less than a couple of few hours, Vancouver will officially be named a World Cup host city for 2026. So it's a good time to be a, a fan of soccer because you're always getting, actually, it's always a good time to be a fan of soccer because you're always oh, getting year round. Yeah, it's a year-round sport. This isn't like the American sports where there's nothing to talk about in in the summer months. No, it's always fun. It's always a uh, good to go. So that concludes this week's episode. Peace out. Take care.